It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Back on a big week, RDT. Orioles baseball, NFL draft, a lot of podcasts coming from the boys this week. It is your and I's duty, RDT, to recap this recent stretch of the Orioles. But let me just lay out, let me just lay out this big Exit 52 week real quick, and then we'll dive right into it. Me and RDT talking O's right now. I think it already happened. They could be recording simultaneously. I th- we think they're already done recording. Jake and Spenny, NFL draft, deep dive, preview, prior to Thursday's first round, Friday, second and third, Saturday, four through seven. And we will be around for all of those days. Thursday night, going to fire up the happy hour, go at the start of the draft broadcast, probably through the end of the first round. The Ravens pick, you know, you know, 22 or whatever it is. So we'll probably roll through the end of the round. You never know what can happen. Then back for another more, little more casual second and third round, probably people bumping in and out of that one on Friday night. And then we'll have an Ravens instant analysis uh, draft show, either Saturday night recorded or Sunday morning, something in that time frame to recap the entire draft, talk about the ramifications, talk about what happened, analyze all the Ravens picks. Um, for the Exit 52 listeners that are more on that side of the street that haven't heard, uh, Spenny is a draft wizard. So he's a guy you want to throw throw the uh, audio on to listen to his takes about the draft guy knows it backwards and forwards. Um, and I know all the Baltimore beatdown people um, from the, their previous audio life um, know that for sure. Um, and he does some good writing on that as well. So that's your, that's your, your look at what XV2 will be doing this week. Very, very excited. Banks will be back with his cruise or whatever he, you know, his daiquiri drinking at some point during the week too. I think he's just on a daiquiri world tour. I was going to say he may not come back. He could just stay the entire time. So. We shall see. Um, RDT, but we're talking Orioles. Seven consecutive wins. We're recording after they just finished a 5-4 win over Boston to open that series. Uh, swept the Tigers this weekend. Some exciting games. When you and I and Jake were on here, or um, United Banks were on here, excuse me, last Monday talking Orioles, we talked about how key this stretch was going to be, You know what they could potentially do, and they're currently doing it. Um, you, you put out the tweet yesterday. They just added another win onto that. Um, they're taking care of business right now, and they're doing it now in a bunch of different ways. Really early it was they were kind of outscoring teams. They weren't winning a lot of close games. They didn't have a lot of offense. They did that in Washington last week when the bats didn't really travel down I-95. They had two great pitching performances. They had some really nice pitching this weekend in spots they needed it. They stayed in a game where they were getting perfectoed through six and two-thirds or whatever it was, stayed in the game with their pitching win at the end. They're starting to play some more complimentary baseball and are starting to show the well-roundedness of a team that can make some noise as we head through the year. I mean, you know, fourth best record in the big, second best record in the AL behind the historic Rays. Um, it's a nice time to be an Orioles fan. Yeah, it's 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 a great time. I, I you know, you look back at start last year, I think someone said they were seven going into they were seven and fourteen through the first twenty-one last year. This year they're fourteen and seven. Add on another win, that's fifteen. Um and yeah, like you said, the last kind of week, 10 days, they've been winning with their pitching. Like you said, the offense hasn't shown up and it hasn't really had to because again, one of these games, the only game they lost was that extra inning game on Saturday, last Saturday in Chicago, which again, I mean, that game could, you know, they easily could have won that game and we're looking at a, a much, you know, longer win streak. Um, the pitching has been fantastic. This is before going into this game, the game that they won on Monday night. Uh, this is from Locked On Orioles. They said the Orioles' starting pitch was the last full time through the rotation. 31 innings pitched, 19 hits, one earned run. One earned run in 31 innings from the starters. 34 Ks, eight walks. That's an average of 6.1 innings pitched per start, a whip of 0.87, and a 0.29 ERA. The pitching is getting it done. And again, we were complaining about the pitching two weeks ago. Um, you know, three weeks ago, it was not, it was not good. Um, and again, I mean, it's it's baseball. We all know the game. It's going to have its highs and its lows. They're going to have a series of weeks where they can't get anyone out and they're winning games 11 to 10 or they're losing, you know, 15 to 12 or something like that. But right now, the pitching has stepped up when the offense hasn't. And again, we're seeing guys get cold. Adley is pretty cold right now. Mullen um, is coming alive. Gunner is still very, very cold. He got the night off tonight. He probably needs, you know, a couple nights off just to kind of regroup. Tony Taters is kind of... He's finding his way back in the hitting world. Um, Austin Hayes is still mashing. Um, and then again, you know, you got a guy like Adam Frazier, who a guy, a pickup a lot of guys didn't like in the offseason. And now 
He's getting walk-off hits on a Friday night. He's you know, scoring third on a pass ball on Sunday. He's kind of the spark plug that uh, Odor was last year, but I think he's more well-liked. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think the story has to be the pitching. And, and again, this team will kind of go as as the pitching goes. It was awesome to see Grayson on Sunday. Um, like, everyone was watching that first inning kind of being like, what's going to happen? What are we going to get? And he came out, and he was awesome. Uh, you know, the walk, the walk bug was there a little bit. Um, I think he had three walks, but if he had five K's, five scoreless innings, um, can't ask for much more again, he's looking more and more confident and comfortable. And again, like I tweeted it yesterday, just the mental like fortitude that he has again, he's made was that was his fourth start. I think fourth. Yeah. Fourth start. And again, it's like, he constantly finds himself in these situations where he's walking guys or getting guys on, but he's limiting the damage he's getting out of the inning without it explaining. Oh, the mic has gone off already, Tate. Wow, what a scene. The light came off of the mic. I don't think we've ever seen that. This is Banks. This is Banksian from RDT. Not back. You're muted now. There you go. Now you're back. <sighs> that was wild. That was a wild scene. Yeah. Where did I leave off? Um, you were talking about, you know, Grayson worked through it, what we were gonna expect. Um, this is his fourth start, um, had the little walks, but had the five strikeouts, worked his way through it. Yeah. And again, it's just him kind of limiting the damage and keeping them in the games. Like yep. that game, that game yesterday on, on Sunday was, I mean, again, like you said, Eduardo Rodriguez, former Oriole great is, is, has a, a perfect game going into the seventh. And I, I was just racing for being like, I can't do like a perfect game or a no hitter today. And then, you know, they break through with that hit, and then they end up winning. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a game that they lose nine times at last year. They kind of roll over Sunday. People were pushing about the lineup, go figure. Um, and, again, they, they, it's a win they pulled out, um, a win they probably shouldn't have had against, like you said, a bad team. And 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 you mentioned it. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. These are the teams you have to beat, and that's what they're doing. I talk, you know, they're I'm talking to guys and, and, you know, some of my friends, and they're like, what's the difference between this year and last year? And it's like, Last year they lost series to the Nationals and the Tigers and the and the Athletics. This year they're winning them, and they're not just you know they're sweeping the Nationals on the road. They're sweeping the Tigers at home. Like you said, they're three out of four against the A's. These are the games they have to win, and they're doing it. And they're doing it in a way that we didn't think they would with the pitching. Um, the bullpen has just been fantastic. Like it really lights out. Brian Baker has really really come into his own as like a, a just an absolute shutdown reliever. He he had a bad opening day, and he's been nails ever since. So it's going to be interesting, and that's what everyone's kind of talking about now. We got the news. Tate and Givens are going to start making their rehab assignments. So who goes down? Austin Voth doesn't have an option. You got to cut him. You just pay him. You got to cut him. DFA him if you do. It could be a guy like Bauman who pitched really well. It could be Keegan Aiken who threw one pitch tonight. Um, but, it, it, you know, there are good problems here. Like, we have a really good bullpen, and we're bringing back two really good guys. So how are we going to fit him in? So – Again, I mean, this, this win streak is, you know, like you said, seven in a row right now. They're 15 and seven, run differential of plus 19, like nine and one of their last 10. I think they've won 11 of 13. Um, and again, I'm just looking at, you know, on, on MLB, MLB.com, eight and three at home, seven and four on the road. Like those are the, those are the, you know, that's what you look to do. You want to win games at home, and then you hope to kind of go 500 on the road, but. They're, they're just playing really well right now. And like we said, beating up on bad teams, which is exactly what they need to do. So let's uh, we'll see if it continues when they uh, the competition ups itself a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And great summation. It's funny. I, I prefaced your statement by saying that they figured out a way to kind of win without their offense. And the offense really kind of has gone away. Like in this win streak, they beat to start it. They beat Chicago eight to four on the Sunday. Um in Chicago, and they really haven't. And they were down four zero too. They were down four zero. Came, came back and won. You know, Washington one nothing, four nothing. Detroit two to one, five to one, two to one, and five to four tonight. The, you know, they're batting under two forty as a team, and you know, batting average isn't the only stat that matters. But you know, they're not. You know, they have, as you said, they have some guys playing well offensively. Adley's been steady as they come throughout the entire year. Austin Hayes has been very, very good. Still haven't gotten really anything from Gunnar Henderson. Obviously, Santander had the big hit the other day. So they, they, they've piecemealed it together, and, and the pitching has come together at the right time um, to kind of to pick that up after the offense did it early in the year. So 
Um, it feels like they could have another gear um, overall if that if some of those guys kind of really get it together offensively. Um, maybe they have another level to even go, and they're playing at a pretty good level right now. Obviously, some of the ways they're winning is not sustainable in terms of like these crazy walk off wins and some of these close wins, but. We saw an Orioles team do that, you know, early last decade. Um, won a lot of close games and made the playoffs, um, and and, ha- and had a nice had a nice time there. So it will be interesting to see if they can continue to do that. As you said, once the competition increases, um, as you said, the bullpen is tremendous, and and Felix Bautista at this point is like must see TV. I mean, it is mm-hmm. he is one of the most exciting relievers in the entire game, and I think we could have maybe projected that if there wasn't any regression from last year. But man, is it just like an event when he takes the mound, which is very, very, very fun. I feel like to have um, on your team where you just know your closer is going to come in and be nails. And I I talked about him last week, but we have to comment on him again. I mean, Jorge Mateo is just, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just, it's hard to imagine a scenario where they could deal him at this point. And I understand it was, and this is a redux of the conversation we had last week, but like, I mean, he's almost – he's not the heart and soul of the team. You know, your Adley is the heart and soul of the team. But he's just such a, an exciting, dynamic – I mean, he you know, he, he runs out the infield single, and that was a, a little bit of hometown scoring, but it's probably an infield single with his speed. But the pitcher is so worried about his speed that it's just like a frantic play to try to flip it. So that gets him on base. And then scoring on that play is just – it's outrageous. I can't believe it's not the first thing we talked about. We, we kind of like buried yeah. Scoring on that play is just gross. Like I haven't risen from my seat. I talked about this last year on a couple of the walkouts where I haven't like risen from my seat for a lot of like Orioles, baseball, regular season baseball in a long time. And last year I started doing it like in the big moments where you're like pacing, where it's tied with two outs in the ninth and you have guys on, you think mm-hmm. you walk it off. Like that was a big scenario. But I'm like laying back on my couch – watching you know you at first so you probably you're like okay either as a home run or you need to like piece together a couple more things and he hits the double and they show him turn turn you know turn around third base and kevin brown's like they're waving him in or whatever he, whatever the call was and i just like left up i was like what is mm-hmm. happening <laughs> and it, it was it was a awesome moment and it was awesome that it happened in front of that many people with the thirty six thousand. we'll get to some of the other little league stuff in a, in, a, in, a, in a second here but it, awesome crap for that to happen to, and he is just becoming such a fan favorite. It just would be hard to imagine them letting go of them. He's becoming such a big part of what they do. His speed is so tough to deal with. He's, you know, um, oh my god, who is who is doing it out? Palmer, Jim Palmer talked about it. like he had the hard hit ball. I turned it on in like the I think it was the seventh. He had a hard hit ball in the opposite field that was right at Verdugo, mm-hmm. so it got caught. But Palmer's just like he's just such a different hitter than last year. He just would have never done that you know, gone the opposite way or, or, or work the like, he just is a totally different guy. And you're starting, you like see why he had so much potential as a prospect. It's just, he is electrifying. He is the definition of an electric baseball player and he's winning games. Like he's like going out there and just offense, giving you runs just because of the speed and, and all the things he brings to the table. It's very, very fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There, there's maybe five guys in baseball who could have scored from first on that play that he did. It's like him, Corbin Carroll, Trey Turner, maybe a couple other guys. But I'm with you because I'm thinking the same thing. When I saw Santander, you know, gets the hit and Mateo's on first. And so I'm thinking, all right, he's going first to third easy. The ball was not hit like far. Like, Badu got the ball in and like wasn't – it's not like he was close to the wall or anything. Like, it was – pretty shallow and he kind of just like lollygagged it and they talked about it i think the pitch before because they zoomed out and you could see how deep the outfielders were playing and they said you know they're it's basically a nose deep not let the ball get by him and then i you know i mean you got to think that that the third base coach saw that and, and you know was like hey they're deep and badu does not have a good arm it's well known like hey if he can lollygags this i'm sending uh, like I'm, I'm sending him. and again he just kept the the, the wheel going and and I'm with you because I'm like, all right, he's going first. And then I was like, wait a minute. Oh, and then I heard Kevin go, oh, they're sending him. And I was like, no, no, like don't send him. What are you doing? Because again, he had the hip injury. You know, the the field was wet. You know, from the night before and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, that was that was about as electric as a play as you could get. Um, 
you know, like you said, we talked about, I think last week where it's like, you know, you see it in the NFL. This guy's, you know, Tyree Kill is electric. Lamar Jackson's electric. Don Hall was electric. Jorge Mateo is one of those guys where it's like every time he's at the plate or at first base, you have to watch what he's doing because he, it, you, you just never know what he's going to do. So he, he's been so good. And this was going into yesterday. This is at Adley World on Twitter. Going into yesterday, Jorge Mateo ranks among the shortstops in, with 50 at-bats this season. First in batting average, second in on-base percentage, first in slugging, first in OPS by a mile, second in war, eighth in home runs, fourth in RBIs, first in steals, first in Ks, and eighth in runs. He, I mean, he's putting together an all-star campaign right now. And again, this is a guy who we saw flashes last year. Like you talked about it. He was a top prospect with the Yankees over Judge and over Gary Sanchez, you know, in 2016. Like he he has all the tools. And now we're seeing that Palmer is right. Like he did he did try to drop some balls to the opposite field today. And I don't think that was an accident. Like I think I think he's just like doing it. And again, it's just showing you, I think, you know, what he could be because he's I don't think he's this good as a player. But, uh, you know, he's not as bad as we saw last year. I, he's just super hot right now. So much fun to watch. And like you said, he's single-handedly in them games. And it's – we talked about it before, but, like, we have him at eight or, you know, him at nine and Mullins at one and then Adley at two. If you get those two guys on base, the pitcher is going to have an aneurysm trying to figure out who to pay attention to, where to throw the ball, who to attack. And, again, if you leave one up to Adley, that ball is going a long way. So – yeah, he's he's fantastic right now for the Orioles, and and like yeah, he he really is. He kind of is not the heartbeat of the team, but he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink. I've used that sentence like five times in the last like three podcasts, but he really is like what makes the team go right now. And and it's he's just a special player, an absolute weapon with the speed. It, it's just fantastic to see him have you know have this early success, and you just gotta hope that he can keep it up. And you know, again, I he legitimately could start the game at shortstop for the all-star team. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. You, you talked about like, if you have Mullins at whatever one, if you have him at eight, nine, and, and it's going to be interesting to see like in a month where this lineup settle, where it settles into. I think that's one of the more interesting parts of the discussion around this team, because, you know, Hyde could have easily moved Mateo up in the order at some point. You know, like when Mullins was struggling, they went to Hayes as the leadoff batter. That could have easily been Mateo. You could have easily moved him to like, you know, five or six if you felt like, or, you know, but they've really left him in this kind of like bottom of the order, you know, and I think that's probably the right move. No need to like put extra pressure on the guy. It's working the way it's working. Don't stick him at the top of the order, you know, leave him down there to, to turn the lineup over to, you know, and Hayes is a perfect guy to turn the lineup back over to as your leadoff hitter because, you know, he can obviously, you know, drive runs home um, as well um, with the way he's kind of banging the baseball. I'm interested to see, you know, Gunner has struggled mightily, and I don't think there's any concern long-term about his potential and what he's going to be. But right now, and I think he should obviously should continue to play. I wouldn't take him out of the lineup. But right now he is kind of one of the things that's a drag on what this offense could potentially be. He's just not really producing much of anything. He's under the Mendoza line. He's he was getting on base a little bit early. That's kind of gone away to a certain extent. What is his what is his 355 OBP. Yeah. So, it, so. it's 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 and it's dropping. So he got the night off tonight. I'm just interested, you know, Brent, I'm sure Brandon Hyde and the staff looks at this lineup and I think Adley, you know, is pretty locked into where he's gonna be. You would think Mount Castle will sit in that three four five type of role. Santander same thing. He's like a three, four, five type of hitter, four, five type of hitter. Um, what they end up doing with Mullins and Hayes and and Mateo and Gunner as those guys kind of, you know, go throughout the season. I'll be interested to see what he what they end up what what they look like on June first. That will be fascinating to me. Yeah, and and again, you talked about the issues that that Gunner's having, and again, I mean, you look around the league, Adley kind of went through it last year when he came up and, and J rod went through it last year too. And I mean, it happens to rookies. And again, is he technically a rookie? Like, no, you know, he got a handful of games last year under his belt, but I think that'll help him in the long run. Cause he's had success. He's tasted success. So it's, he knows he's good. He knows he can perform. It's not like he came up and had zero, you know, it's not, you know, if he last year never happened and he made his debut this year, I could see it kind of weighing on him being like, 
you know, maybe I can't do this. But again, he knows I can do this. He's hit bombs off Tristan McKenzie. He's had big hits. He's had, you know, huge game, you know, hits in big situations. So he knows he can do it. I think he's just a 21-year-old kid who the book is kind of out on him now. Um, he's going to have to adjust. And I have no, you know, believe, I, I have no belief that he won't adjust. Um, I, I think he'll be fine. Again, I think it'll take him a little bit. But, yeah, he's going to play in the line. You know, he's going to be in the lineup every day. You know, they're not going to send him down and, and you know, kind of demote him and let him get, you know, get his rhythm back. I think he'll be fine. And again, it's, he's a 21 year old who's struggling in April. I don't think that's out. You know, it's not un, unheard of or anything like that. The guy, the guy's having a bad, you know, couple of weeks. So he'll, he'll, he'll get hot. And when he does, you know, we'll be like, up oh, there he is. That's the gunner that we all, you know, thought we were going to get this year. Um, I still, I mean, I'm still confident that he wins rookie of the year. Again, I, I, I think that he's that good where he'll, He'll re- rebound, and I, I think he'll put together a really good year at the, you know, when we at the end of the year, we'll look back and be like, man, you remember when he was hitting like a buck fifty in in April? Like that, that was wild. Like now he has twenty five home runs, and you know, his on base percentage is like hovering around four hundred. So I got no issues with him. The throws in in the in the infield, that's what a lot of people are kind of like. Is his offensive production leaning leading to him to kind of hang his head in the field? Because he's had some tough throws. He's making the first baseman work. Um, you know, it could be the wrist injury that he had in spring training. It could just be, you know, he he's not, I don't know, he's comfortable making the throw or whatever. But I think we see that more at third base than shortstop. But, again, I, I don't have any, like, I'm not worried about him. I, I think he'll be fine. You know, he's, he's very good. I think he knows that. So, I think it's just a tough stretch for him right now. Yeah, and thankfully you have the flexibility here where you give him a natural day off and, Adley DH is and Arias plays third and Mateo plays short. So you have infield flexibility to, you know, the pressure isn't like enormous if they need to give him, you know, two or three games off. They can kind of maneuver the lineup around and, and, and do that stuff. But yeah, I think you're right. I think he'll come around. Um, you know, it, 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 a great example of it is the progression we've seen from Grayson so far where you go through some growing pains and obviously it's, it's more, you know, sometimes pumped up as a hitter because you're out there every day and you start to strike out and fans start to get antsy and blah, 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 blah. But um, it'll come around for them. Um, I think that, like I said before, I think this offense potentially has another gear to it. If a couple if a couple of guys just take one step up in terms of what their levels look like. Mullins look like he's starting to find it a little bit, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the Mount Castle stuff has slowed down a little bit, but I think he's that kind of guy where it's going to – the power in the, is going to come in, in – big spurts then he's going to have some times where he's striking out a lot and all those different things but um it's a very it's just a very fun team to watch and and i I thought the atmosphere they had on sunday was was what it hopefully looks like as we enter the summer and you have some of those afternoon uh sunday games or or friday night games you would hope that um the yard starts to fill up a little bit if more if this success kind of continues i i i don't think you can like make the case as a fan now based on the back half of last year and the first, whatever, 22 games of this year, the team's not worth coming out to see. So, um, and they're clearly, you know, they're clearly doing things to, you know, I, I've seen them, you know, even, you know, just trying to promote ticket packages in different ways. You see them on different, so they're trying to get people in there. You, you'd hope that that starts to translate um, as we kind of enter the bigger games and just better opponents too. I mean, they, that's the other thing. I mean, they, the mm-hmm. games at home, other than the Yankees, and obviously the Red Sox tonight, um, it's not like they brought, you know, the world beaters of opponents. In. And and I, I don't blame people necessarily for not wanting to watch like the A's on a Wednesday night. That's, you know, you'd like to watch, you'd like to watch them play a, a little bit of a better team, but yeah, 15 and seven, you, you went over the pitching numbers, tremendous. Um, it's a, it's a fun team to watch. And, and they're, they're really, and they're really positioning something in this stretch. We can go through this one more time before we for transition to, other things let's like look down the schedule here like they've got these two games against boston four at detroit you wouldn't think they're going to be good at short and sweeping them but by taking care of business at home they've given themselves some some leeway there and then this kansas city team stinks that they then go visit Mm -hmm. um and then they then they're at atlanta um which is which is gonna be tough so you have these final six these final nine games um to continue to kind of put this type of if they can win seven out of nine in the next nine, that that's a great stretch that they put together. It's exactly what we wanted them to do. And then you start to test yourself with Atlanta, Tampa, Pittsburgh, which is a heck of a stretch. Those are those are three of the best teams in baseball right now. Pittsburgh surprising, Tampa 
unbelievable and 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 Atlanta is mm-hmm. going to be a contender this year as well. Yeah, I, I was going to say six out of those nine wins, I think would be yeah, like I would yeah. be perfectly yeah. okay. Six out of I think nine. I'd be very fine. One hundred percent. I agree. Yep. And yep. and and there was a good good quote by Brandon Hyde tonight, and I talked about this before, and like with friends and stuff like that, being like they're not blowing people out. Like I would just love just give me like a ten nothing game. Just give me something where I'm not like you know, grabbing onto something in the ninth inning, like, oh, there's a guy in first. We got to get this guy out. Hyde said after the game, it kind of feels like last year's team a little bit. We don't just blow people out a lot of tight games. I think our players are better for it with how many tight games we played last year. And I think he's 100% right. I think these guys, again, you know, they're not shaky under pressure. They're not like, I don't want the ball hit to me. You know, I I don't want this hit to me crunch time, or I don't, I don't know where I'm going to go with the ball. You know, I, I think, like you said, this team was around last year. The core of this team was here last year, and they played winning baseball. Who said it on one of the Barstool shows? But I think they said since the beginning of last year. Was it? No. Like, yeah, yeah. It was since the beginning of last year. The team is like 98 and 85 or something like that. So they were like, it's not a fluke. Like, And they said, you know, the, Pi- like, the Pirates start right now, I think, is a fluke. Nobody expected it. You know, I'm not taking anything away from the Pirates, but nobody expected them to be 16 and 7 right now. But like the Orioles, I don't think people are like, oh, I can't believe the Orioles. I think people are like, yes, this seems about right. They're kind of on track with what we expected them to do again coming into this year. Um, so again, like I said, put it any way you want. They're playing really good baseball right now, and it's 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 it's. I think it's it's awesome to see. And you said it, the crowds. I think will get better. I think the Friday the Friday crowd was awesome. Saturday was kind of a weird game because it poured all day. I mean, I was looking up tickets after it stopped raining. You know, I was I was close to buying tickets in the outfield for three bucks. Like that was, you know, nobody wanted to go to that game, and I don't blame them. Um, shitty weather, but again, Friday was awesome. Sunday was unbelievable with the crowd. Um, again, even you take away the fourteen thousand little leaguers and that old, you know, twenty twenty two or twenty one or whatever. But yeah, again, hopefully people will keep coming out. And I get tickets are cheap Monday through Thursday, ten dollar bleacher seats. I don't think you can beat that. So nothing going on and you know it's six o'clock and you're like I right, let me head down to the ballpark you take a scooter you know you and marlon humphrey can scooter to the game and sit alone like he was on friday night which so bizarre we'll have to do a whole episode on marlon and what bizarre dude he is the what a fascinating guy. guy fascinating He's guy so weird uh, former guest on this show former guest on this show don't you forget yes yes yeah there was another former guest um watching another former guest yesterday with tucker justin tucker getting all fired up um, that's right. That's right. That was games. awesome. Yeah, that, that was really good. And again, I don't, that's, you see, sometimes you see like celebrities or athletes go to a game and you can tell that they're just putting on like, I'm at a baseball game. I have to cheer for this team. Not, you know, like they don't do that on a random Wednesday night, but I wholeheartedly believe that Justin Tucker like follows this team and like watches them and pays attention, especially good. The guys like Grayson, like they talked about, they're both Texas guys. So, and I've, I've seen like, I remember like 2014 or 15, like Lauren and I were at the Orioles game eating on the, the flat for the game and we're eating next to Justin Tucker and his wife and nobody knew who they were. Like nobody came up to him or anything. So again, like he's been at ball games. Like I'm pretty sure like you've probably seen him at a game. You just don't know. So I just thought that was really cool to see him like fired up, given the like his punch out for the umpire. So that, that was cool to see them uh, supporting Grayson and the Orioles. So it's funny that, yeah, with football players, sometimes it's tough. I think you just don't. It's Tucker's a weird one though, because I think people like just Tucker's been around for so long. You would think he would be instantly recognizable to at least seventy percent of the ballpark. Um, mm-hmm. But I think sometimes football players, it's like shocking to see them in the wild because you're so used to, you know, helmet on, blah 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 blah. blah. But you would think that that he would be uh, he would be a little bit more recognizable. I don't know. Uh, but that was also, I agree with you. That's not a front. He's a guy that's like fully involved there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, Wearing the gas up t-shirt and all that. I thought that was, that was just really cool. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk little league day? Do you want to get your take off on that? Sponsor. Black eyed Susan, black eyed Susan. Spices company. How we're gonna do all the segments Thursday, but I'll give them a shout out here. It's the hottest take. Yeah, it was. We don't need to involve I I don't know how to word this. I don't want to crap on the broadcast because the whole broadcast wasn't bad. But the little league stuff on Sunday was was less than ID. 
you had Kevin Brown in the middle of the game being like, hey, Paul, Jim, by the way, I'm going to run out to left field. I have two minutes to run from the press bot, from the, 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 the broadcast booth, down a flight of stairs, into the field, get mic'd up, get my earpiece in, and I'm going to start calling the game from there. And it was kind of like, oh, this is kind of funny. And then he did it, and it took him fifteen. It took them fifteen minutes to get them set up, ready to go. Palmer had to call the game by himself for like ten minutes, and you could tell he was not happy. Like he calling the game, but it was just like, a, what are we doing here? Like he was trying his best. He was giving the play by play, but it's like you could tell he was uncomfortable. Then they eventually got Kevin mic'd up, and he's in the crowd with all these kids, and he's talking to them, and. The kid, you know, he asks the kid, do you want to call the Yang? And the kid's like, yeah. And Kevin's like, all right, take it and go. And the kid goes, well, how the heck am I supposed to know what's going to happen? And, Ke- you know, it's just like, it was chaos. It was it was just chaos all around. Um, j- wild, wild. So then, you know, it wraps up, blah, blah, blah. Kevin Smith, home run. He's a Terp, not a big deal. Um, it wraps up. And then in like the middle of the seventh inning, they go, you know, in the middle of the inning, they go, oh, special guest with Rob Long. And Rob's talking to some little league coach. And the interview goes like this. Hey, what's your name? Uh, my name's Greg. Where are you from? I'm from Ricerstown. How long have you been doing this? Five years. Thanks for all that you do. And that was it. That was the entire interview. I don't know if Rob knew this guy and like owed him a, a TV appearance or something, but it was just like, what are we doing? Why are we interviewing little league coaches? In the middle, the Orioles are getting up. There's a perfect game going on, and I got to listen to Kevin from Ricerstown talk about how he's been, he's been, you know, a little league coach for five years. And then Rob says, "Thanks for all that you do." Like he's a doctor, like he's saving the world. It's like <laughs> this guy comes hung over to the games every Saturday. What are we thanking him for? It was just like, I, I, I was just like, what, what is going on? And it, it seemed that everyone else on Twitter was kind of in that same realm I, I think it was a great idea it was a fun idea again you want to have fun with the kids on the little league day there were fourteen thousand of them there they all got high five all the players and stuff like that it's cool it's a great experience i don't need you know little jimmy from down the street with a microphone in his face during the game like trying to call a game it was that part was funny though because it's kevin and because he looks like a kid in the in the outfield just like i would with all these kids in blue jays jerseys and the dad sitting behind them being, there was one dad being like tell them how good we are tell, tell them that we want 14 to do last it's just like guys we're, we're, there's a perfect game going on right now like i can't here's here's, so here's was, what i don't get because you you were you tweeted about this you texted us fired up and i i was not watching when this was going on so i texted you and you explained it and i got the gist of watching what was on this is what like this is what i just Masson baffles me. And we've talked about Masson a million times. And Masson has improved. We like a lot of the on-air staff. Kevin Brown is excellent. He is excellent. He's awesome. He's so good. And I hope that he's around here for a really long time because I think the fan base has really gravitated to him. He's so passionate. He loves, clearly loves the team. Um, He's so good. And so if he wants to go down there and talk to Little Leaguers because he thinks it's a good fit, more power to him. Send him down there. But what I don't understand is you have to have somebody in the booth that can like anchor it if it's like totally falling out of whack and like making Jim Palmer try to do that. And no, like no, Jim is a, a living legend. I mean, been on TV for years and years, called World Series, called huge Orioles games. He's just, he's awesome. I, I still love listening to Jim. But to like expect mm-hmm. to roll the ball out to Jim to try to like anchor the play by play if things are going wrong for Kevin or there's just the content isn't really working out. What I don't understand is they have 700 people on staff who could have just like popped into the booth. Like you're telling me they couldn't have planned this two weeks ago. And I don't know who was on radio, so I can't speak to it, but to not have Gar, they have a hundred other people. They could have had Garceau up there. They could have had Jeff Arnold up there. They could have had Melanie up there. They could have had a variety of people that were like, Hey, just, you know, step in here with Jim. Oh, we got Kevin downstairs. Like, no one would have found that weird. Like, unless they think mm-hmm. there's some weird to like have someone or have that day. I don't know what Ben McDonald was. Maybe Ben McDonald's calling college baseball. Maybe he's he was off. doing ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could have had another analyst in there just to go back and forth with Jim or like have the ability to, cause him just up there by himself, having the kids and stuff in his ear, like send anybody up there. Like if Rob's around, send it. You should have sent him up there. If he's going to, if he's going to be, I think he did the post game, have him send him up there. I, I just, like mm-hmm. they have a good idea, 
Like send Brett Hollander there. Send anybody up there. Like that's where they because then if 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 stuff's going wrong with Kevin, and I'm fine with like I said, fine if Kevin wants to go down there and do that if that's the bit he you know, and the Orioles put out the video of him running down there and like that's all mm-hmm. well and that good. good. That's fine. That's fine content, whatever it may be. Like it's it's good personality stuff for Kevin and Gears and more. It's good stuff. But like just having Jim Palmer up there, you know, flying by the seat of his pants in the booth is probably not where the Orioles need to be on Masson. And it just feels like it would have been such an easy fix to have anybody up there um, to be like, you know, to just you just need to step in with a few words. It didn't. It, not much needed to happen. And then you like save a segment. The outrage, like when I saw your tweet, I was like, this must have been <laughs> awful because I think you make a pretty good effort to like praise Masson when they try things, or you know, we've given a lot of credit to a lot of the on-air talent here. You know, obviously. I'm a big Masson complainer, but I do feel like the product has improved because they've really figured out a great system with Brown and McDonald and Brown and Palmer. And they just have that all, all that stuff is, is just in a better place. But God, it was just, it was just like, I'm like, ah, oh, Masson. Like, God, you just, you just, you can't stay out of your own way sometimes. And I felt bad. I felt bad that that was like one of the stories of the game because I just, there was a perfect game going on. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, you have to kind of adjust. I don't know. It's tough. Broad- and broadcasting is hard. Like, this stuff's hard. But, you know, maybe if Kevin Brown's going to be trying to call the game from left field, a bunch of little leaguers around him, or right field, or wherever he was, just stick someone in the booth to anchor the coverage. And you know? and it was funny because, like, McKenna struck out on a pitch, like, dotted the outside corner. Like, good pitch. And Kevin is, again, he's trying to call the game, and he's like, and McKenna strikes out. I didn't see where the pitch was. He's like, I, I can't see it from here. I, I couldn't see it. And Jim's like, yeah, probably a strike. But again, it was just funny, like Kevin being like, "Don't know where the pitch was, could not see it." There's a million little leaguers standing up in front of me. And like, maybe they thought that was going to be like part of the bit, like, "Oh, it's Kevin. It's all fun. He can barely see the game. He's sort of like attempting to call it." And I'm sure Kevin Brown's like, "I got it. Like, I'm gonna head down there. This will be no big deal. Like, no need." But just like, you know, even if you're bringing it back from commercial and he's down there, I guess they probably brought it back from commercial and Kevin introed it back from commercial. I would assume. No, like, no, it took Kevin. It took Kevin like ten minutes to get on air. Like, yeah, see that it was, it was Palmer so alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah you was, can't do that. You got to come back to the booth, and even if it's Rob, even if it's Rob Long. So say Rob Long was doing post game because he's clearly there. It's like, you know, Rob Long back here in the booth with Jim Palmer, Kevin Brown making mm-hmm. his way down to the field. We can't wait to send it down to Kevin. And then even if you want to Kevin try to anchor the play by play down there, once he's down there, okay, you give it a shot. Yep. But like. That they had to put somebody in the. I just, it's just shocking. But what can you say? Yeah. Whatever, it's fine. Good it attempt. Was, like, and again, good try, I'm, Masson. Like, don't want to kill Masson. But it's just like, it sucked. I'm like, I had the, because I was watching the, the, um, the Terps, I was watching Terps Purdue baseball. So I was, I had just had to turn the roses. And just these tweets, I had the X of the two feet in front of me. And just tweets are just like bombing onto the timeline. I'm like, oh no, something is wrong. Something is drastically wrong. So and and again, I I'm not shitting on Kevin or or Jim or Rob or anyone like that. Again, I think it was a great idea. The execution was not was was not great. And again, it could have gone better. They may do it next week and it, and it'll go great. And I'll be like, that was awesome. That was really fun. But yeah, it was it was again that coupled with like the perfect game. It was like this is a debacle. Like this is a nightmare. Like it, it's not nothing is going right right now. But again, you know, they got the win. It's all we cared about. You know, Kevin from Reisterstown got his three minutes on TV, and 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 we're happy. We're we're good to go from there. The video they, that the Orioles put out was very funny. It was good, and it showed Kevin, you know, running through the concourse again. The fact that they thought it would take him that he could run from the booth to left field and get mic'd up and all that stuff in two minutes is like insane, insane. Because there's no the other funny there. part about it is, is at the beginning of the video, he's like walking through the press box. And he's like, kind of like pointing to people, like clearly like chatting. He's walking down, like they're clearly in no rush to get him down there. The whole thing yeah, was very yeah. interesting to watch. Well, again, um, you can like, hear before he, before he left, he said, "Jim, if I don't make it down there, you may have to call an inning." And you can hear Palmer go like, "Oh yeah, okay." Like, <laughs> oh no, that actually happened. See, I just it just makes no sense to put Palmer in that spot. Like, no. just bring anybody up to pay. We're we're um, you know. Throw and it because if you know you just have someone standing there on standby and if Brown makes it down there then you don't have to do it and then if like 
I don't know who was around, if it's Rob or Melanie or, or, or Jeff or whoever's still around, just like, even if you got to pull the secondary radio person off the radio mm-hmm. broadcast and stick them on TV for a second. And I know that sounds insane, but it's, not, it's all the same people. So it's not like those things aren't separate. So it's not going to like throw anybody off. They're like, oh, you know, it's, you know, Jeff Arnold in here, you know, Kevin's still making his way down. We're back. You know, here's the first pitch to a blank. We'll send down to Kevin when he's down there. And just, that's just, I don't know. Like, like I said, Masson, this has been a pretty clean start for Masson for the most part. Like the graphics are fine. They're, you know, they had the, them on the road for opening day. You know, they've, they've just the on-air talent has gotten into a little bit of a rhythm. There's still some things that I would change, but that's just personal preference. It's not like a debacle. Like it has been at times. Um, And I think, like I said, I think Kevin Brown is, you know, I don't even remember the last time I liked, you know, obviously Gary Thorne was great. I, I think Brown brings a similar passion and, and, you know, the, the, the way he calls huge plays and, and he's great. I tell storytelling is really good. He's just very good. Mm-hmm. And he's got good rapport with McDonald. He's got good rapport with Jim Palmer. He's not going anywhere, but yeah, he, massive back in the spotlight. Did. He did the um the live Cespedes barbecue podcast in Baltimore, I think on that Saturday after opening day. And they asked him a question about calling Adley's first hit. And Brown had a great story where he's like, you know, I'm in the box or in the press, you know, the the broadcast booth. I see him hit it down the line, blah, blah, blah. And you know, he says, I knew it was gonna be a double. And then Brett Phillips picked up the ball and kind of dropped it and fumbled it around. And then, you know, ended up on third. And he said, I didn't have time to wait to hear if it was gonna be a triple or not. So he said it could be a double and it's and an error. It could be a triple. And he goes, if I screw up this call, I just screwed up, you know, the first hit of probably a future Hall of Famer's career. And that's a that's gonna be broadcast all over. So he said, I just went with extra bases for Adley's first hit, you know, first uh first uh career hit or that's something awesome. like that. And like you said, the, the way that he described it, like going through it was really cool. So that you saying that just reminded me of listening to that. And again, he's he, He's the best. I think he's very, very good. He's very talented, and and we're very lucky to have him. Hopefully for a long, long time. But yeah, they, I don't know. They made a great call was... bringing him in. Oh, hundred yeah, percent. It's tough. It's tough. But yeah. I know you need to get some of that off your chest. So I'm glad that we. Again, I'm not mad at Masson. I'm not mad at Kevin or, or Rob or anyone. It was just like a, I'm I'm pulling my hair out because Eduardo Rodriguez is stifling this lineup. And I don't need to and see this in front of me. They have now a good like floor to where the coverage is. I think the, the th- and I noticed it tonight and it happens every time and it throws me off. They need to just like, I don't know who you put on rotation. I guess this means you got to pay somebody else. They, I think they should have an analyst at the desk in that post game show. It's always weird to me when they bring it into the post game show and it's like Scott sitting there, Rob sitting there, Melanie sitting there. And they're just like by themselves. And then they obviously go up to the booth and talk to Ben or Jim or whoever it is. It just would be nice for them every once in a while. Maybe you do it like on a weekend game or a Sunday. I don't know if you have local guys around that are like living in the city to to bring on that are like former players, or even if you if if you know or McDonald walks down and just is at the. I don't know that that set always just looks empty to me, and I just mm-hmm. like wish I just wish it was filled out and it felt a little bit more like there was effort being put into the post game show. Not that there isn't, but it's just like, okay, we have some at the desk. Let's throw it to the booth and then we'll wait for the hide presser. And then we're out. And I always, Mm -hmm. I just, I always want to come back and hear from somebody immediately, as opposed to me hearing from someone I heard from the entire game. And I know they're not doing (laughs) pregame. So maybe they, maybe that's, they're not doing as much, but like, I want to hear, you know, I just want to hear from a new voice. Um, and I'm sure they don't do that for a bu- for budgetary reasons or whatever, and it, it's fine. And they they do the post game, and it's I'm glad they're doing the shoulder stuff. But um, I don't know that that just would be nice. I think that would fill out. I will I will volunteer to do it for free. We'll say that. Yeah, I and you'd be great. I would love to see you on there. Well, thank you. I keep waiting. It's funny the we we talked about masses like financial troubles, and you read about now like all these like Valley sports regional sports networks that like can't pay the rights fees and the LB is probably going to have to like come in and, and um, you know, take over the broadcasting of a lot of these teams and the, the future of like all of these type of networks is like very much up in the air. 
um, mm-hmm. in terms of the value proposition with cable and that we've gone into that a little bit before. I keep waiting for one of them. I'm kind of surprised that somebody like the Yes Network hasn't done it because they you know, have the resources and that's a, that's a that cash cow. They've got a million people. The, their broadcasts are really, really good. I, the K is fine, but the production is really, really good. Where they haven't done like on Twitter or, you know, if they have a second, like Masson has Masson too. So on a day where the Nationals also aren't playing, it's an off time, like experimenting with like alternate broadcasts or like, you know, if, if I'm the Orioles mm-hmm. and you have Adam Jones becoming like a little bit of a podcaster, like how can you like work him in, in a way, like is he on Twitter, like hosting, you know, other former players that like jump in throughout the three hours and, and whatever. I, I'm just that, that. I'm interested to see when MLB teams start to try to do stuff like that. Um, and maybe that will come yeah. once streaming, once once all these teams get thrown together probably into one thing and it's all just a streaming deal and they work that stuff out. And maybe it's like the two teams playing both have a representative on the stream and you watch it like a little bit more of an alternative broadcast. But I don't know. That can be kind of cool. Yeah, there's definitely a place for that. They, they, someone, like you said, someone will figure it out and we'll be like, this is it. They, they, like, it's a home run. It's perfect. So, yeah. Um, anything else the Orioles to talk about? Uh, but Jackson Holiday, yeah, Jackson Holiday, Jackson Holiday is as advertised so far. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the real deal, and he did. I don't, I don't want to name drop, I don't like doing this. You guys know that I hate, you know, doing stuff like this. You never he would did. do this, no, 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 and this is very rare for me, but I did have the tweet after when he hit his two home runs the other night. And I said, you know, it's funny that a year ago right now, like this kid was in like AP physics and he had to like ask a teacher if he could go to the bathroom. And I, I had no clue that he followed me up until like last week. Like he, I don't know when he followed me, but he said something. I said uh, something about the yeah, AP physics, blah, blah, blah. And then he responds back with AP is a stretch with the crying emoji face. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. That's it. That's like very I, I legitimately got like a chuckle out of that. I was like, that's a good tweet. Very funny tweet. So we'd, not lo- only we'd love to have Jackson on the pod to discuss his, his high school schooling. He is also he is always welcome. If his dad wants to come on, he can come on too. Um, you know, we, we are we're big holiday family fans here. Um so he got called up, I think to what high A, I believe it was hey Aberdeen. Aberdeen. And it was it's funny too, because I got a DM from the Aberdeen account this morning saying, Hey, what's a good um what's a good email to send press releases to? And then two minutes later, I was like, I got an email, Jackson Holiday is getting called up. So I was like, Oh, I wonder if that was that was a choreographed plan. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Shout out to Yanir Cano, who is a dude, yep. a guy that the Orioles seem to have found. And again, I, like the last week I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, where the hell did we get this guy from? And then I realized he came over in the um, Jorge Lopez trade. Jorge Lopez trade, yep. Yeah, so that's a good one. Um, real quick, I got to give shout outs to my guys who I met at the uh, the Nats Orioles game last week. Went down, boots were on the ground in DC. Um, who? What was his name? I followed him back. I think it was Joe wearing the Rutch Mania shirt. Um, shouted out to him, and and he came over. And the first thing he said was, "Love the pod, keep it up." Like it's the first thing I listen to every morning. So, um, cool. It's, again, like we always say, cool running into listeners out and about, um, especially again, a visiting ballpark. First time I think I've been to a visiting ballpark to see the Orioles. It's not, it was a Nats, so it doesn't really count. The place was orange anyways. Um, trying to think what else, uh, can, oh, blah, blah, blah. can we just, for Jim Palmer, thing, um, real, real quick, Jim, Jim, Jackson holiday, go. Jackson holiday, three ninety two. O OPB OBP. I always oh, that's just my dyslexic moment every time. Five twenty three is OPS is over a thousand. Obviously, fifteen RBIs, two homers, fifteen runs. I mean, the guy is just was was sensational for Delmarva before he went to Aberdeen. So shout out to him. So there, I saw some tweet, and I won't cre- I I can't find it right now. So sorry, sorry to the person that was like. Well, how about this path that had Jackson debuting in next August, which is just awesome. I love that thinking. Just like, well, it's and it, I mean, is it I crazy? Mean, I don't know if it's crazy. I don't know. I, I have no idea. You know who knows? But but I was talking to um friend of the friend of the show, uh, John Menadakis today, owner of Jimmy's. And what did we say? Yep. We were talking about you know Jackson. I said, oh, Jackson's coming up, and he said, how's that? How's that Jones kid doing? Drew, who again. A lot of people wanted first overall, myself included, 
uh, hitting a buck 75 with a 283 on base percentage. He's already had a major shoulder surgery and he's back on the injured list. So, again, Elias kind of zigged because I don't think anyone really thought they were going to go Jackson Holiday. That one looks like it turned out like, and Drew Holiday right now, not great. So, I know people would have been flipping out if they had taken him and he would have been bad, you know. So, it looks like they made the right call again. I know we're eight months into this or whatever, six months into it, but. You know, good. Jackson looks good. We'll say that. We'll say that. Um, very and much then, nice. uh, one last thing was Jim Palmer ripping the the umpire on Sunday. Was it Saturday? I think Saturday night. And when Vic Carapaza threw out Ramon Urias um, for literally just taking his helmet off and kind of tossing it and his bat and all that stuff. And he said, and I think this is an insult that cuts deep that not many people think about. He said, you're an embarrassment to your profession. That that is a stinger like that will stay with you for a long long time and i don't think he's wrong it was an awful call but two bad calls and they got mad that that urias uh threw his tossed his helmet and stuff to the side but again shout out to jim palmer on a night that we crapped on the broadcast we will give them credit for telling someone that they uh embarrassed perfection as rock tweets that the orioles bullpen array is down to a solid 3.0 fourth lowest in the majors you love to see it one of the best parts about Jim right now is he does not care. He does not care. I I had and sometimes like it I makes him say ridiculous things that you're like, oh, Jim. But other times he absolutely unloads, and it's very very entertaining. Yeah, he's he's definitely at that zero filter. You know, age of his, his career. Um, well, well, I think he was talking. It was like autism awareness night, I think, which again, you know, my brother having autism and Jim's stepson, I think has autism. So I kind of paid yep. more attention to it. And the, the, the pitcher's name, I'm going to butcher it. Danny, it, what is it? Cologne. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. I can it, never I say that. I know who you're talking about. I don't about. know how. Oh, his son has autism too. And talks about it and stuff like that. And during the at bat and like nobody else picked this up. He talked about, you know, if your kids, you know, at a young age are not, um, playing with other kids and, and interacting with seek medical attention so they can get diagnosed. And I think it was Santander hit a double and he goes, as he diagnoses that. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> it was incredible. It was so funny. Just, I was just like, there, that's perfect. That's Jim. But um, I had a tweet that I would retweet like every now and then from back in like 2018 or 19, where like when the Orioles were just so, so bad. And I said like, this is the night Jim Palmer is going to say the F word on air. I was just, I was certain that he's going to be like, these guys fucking suck. And just like <laughs> letting it rip, being like, I'm, I'm done. I just, and now, now I think we may get it the other way. Like these guys are fucking good, but yeah, good credit to Jim. I got to go back and find that, that, that clip. They may have wiped it, but it was incredible. It was so good. That's awesome. That's all. Yeah. He's, he's entertaining. I, we have to see when Jim hangs it up. How old is Jim? Let's let's take a seven, I think seventy-seven. Because yesterday, said, how are you going to leave seventy-seven-year-old Jim Palmer to hang out the dry? I mean, he he's on the. I mean, for a seventy-seven-year-old guy, he's on way more than I would have thought at this point. I feel like a few years ago, it felt like they were starting to take his reps down a little bit. Now mm-hmm. it feels like he's on pretty. I know Ben McDonald's on a ton as well, but. Jim Palmer's on a lot for a guy that's 77. I mean, that's it's impressive. Maybe he'll go and to he may 80. He may take games off in the summer, you know, when summer comes around and he goes back to California or something like that. Like, I know Garceau does that. Garceau goes to the beach and, you know, he goes down and spends a month or two there or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's he's a workhorse. He's, you know, he's he, and he's still as sharp as ever. Like you said, he's he's really, really good. And his, his I think his TV career has been going on for – longer like than 40 people. years like 30 years he he did the world series like a bunch of times mm-hmm. like he was a big he he's like a big time like if you think about like in football like your 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 super bowl teams like he was that kind of color analyst for like a long period of time mm-hmm. um and is you know taken now up resident doesn't do national stuff anymore and just does the orioles but yeah I, i've always like jim sometimes gets criticized by by some factions i I'm, i've always been a big jim guy i I enjoy his work. He was um, talking yesterday about Little League team he played for. He said, I played for the Yankees back in Beverly Hills, and the best pitcher in the league was this guy. 
and I, I texted my dad and I said, Palmer just said the team that he was on in Little League, the pitcher, the best pitcher in the league. You know, and I said, that was 60 years, 65 years ago. And I said, I don't remember what I did last night. And he's still calling, you know, it, it was, it was incredible. So yeah, he's sharp as a tack. He's got it. He absolutely has. Yeah. Yeah. Did the World Series as far back as 1985. Jesus. So, so that's 38 yeah. years ago. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. Um, RET, I think that's it. Good little Orioles recap. Obviously, the draft coming up. Um, my one draft take that I will give because I think you can get a lot more good stuff from our colleagues in their draft preview show that will be out Tuesday when this show is out as well. Um, Deontay Banks to Baltimore would be a very fun story. Maryland cornerback who is from Baltimore um, and grew up a Ravens fan. That is a story to be ready for. Should it happen? And it's possible it could happen. He's been mocked there in a few places. So, What high school? He went to Edgewood. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, that's okay. Uh, yeah, he went to Edgewood. Okay. So nice. Um, I've seen the name going around a bunch because again, I have not done and I have not looked at one draft, one draft, one one thing involving the draft at all. But I'm very excited because this is Spenny's Super Bowl. Yeah, he uh, he. Yeah. Last year he was talking about like Velociraptors and and fighter jets and stuff. <laughs> he and, said, I forget who he said they're a fighter jet mixed with a T Rex or something. Yeah, maybe yeah. it was Raptor. It was, was it Thibodeau? Maybe that's right. You love Thibodeau, if I remember correctly. That could be wrong, Spenny. I'm sorry if that's wrong. I thought I remembered you loving Kayvon Thibodeau. That could be incorrect. I um, am excited for that for the little happy hour on Thursday. It's going to be a yeah. Good time. So draft broadcast. Let me make sure I get this right. Um, she, yeah, that should be very fun. We're going to try to have sort of rotating guests in and out as we go. I'm sure some of us will be in and out. Um, I will have professional duties to attend to whenever Mr. Banks does get picked. Um, so I'm sure I will be a little less attentive on the, on the, and hopefully it's the Ravens. That would be a very fun situation, um, for the Terps, but, um, yep. Happy hour starting as the draft broad, maybe, maybe a little bit before the draft broadcast begins, um, on Thursday night, I I'm trying to remember if it's eight or seven, eight o'clock. So eight o'clock Thursday. Um, so I'm sure we'll jump on maybe a little bit before maybe seven fifty five. Um, as the draft broadcast begins, I love the entire. Obviously, this is a Raven centric podcast. I think we'll put out the entire that entire live show will be on YouTube, and then we'll put out kind of the Ravens section um, as a podcast the following day. Same thing um, in the second and third round because I don't know if there's any need to put out that for. Maybe we'll put both out, but um, that entire thing will be will be available on YouTube. So we'll go the entire time. Same thing on Friday. Jake's gonna help. Uh, the Friday one, he'll be on Thursday as well, but help him the Friday one, and then we'll do an instant analysis on Saturday. If this Orioles run continues, I'm sure we'll talk a little O's um, Saturday, Sunday, uh, depending on who is available to be on. So a very exciting week of audio coming up. Um, and, yeah, make sure to join us for those happy hours. Those are much more interesting, I think, when, you know, everyone's commenting and, and involved. Um, so jump on whenever you want. If, you, if you're watching the draft, toss us on in the background. Um, and, and comment and interact. Very much appreciate all the support. You can follow my good pal here, RDT, at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. You can follow me at TaylorSmite10. You can follow our Exit 52 crew uh, at Jake Luke, L-O-U-K-U-E. Jake Luke. K? I'm, Q. Q, sorry. Damn it. I tried to spell it out that time without looking at it. Uh, good. I, it was of, good. I was just like, I don't think A lot of tough dyslexic moments on this show for me. Shout out, right, okay. Shout out to the Odyssey School. Odyssey, you help us see the things that we can be. Um, How do they not sponsor us? They really should. They really should. They really should. They, I, they, what a success story I have for them here on this podcast. Uh, you can follow Benny at Ravens for Dummies. Ravens for the number four. Dummies, you follow Banks, who is somewhere in the Bahamas or something right now. I don't know if he's come back. I don't know what's going on. You can follow him at Barstool Banks. Um, you follow the podcast at exit 52 podcast on all of our social media platforms. You can, uh, support our sponsor, black eyes, Susan spice company, fed thrill, Jimmy seafood, thread level midnight. appreciate all of their support. We'll see you Thursday night. Make sure to listen to the NFL draft preview with the guys, which is out simultaneously with this. So these pods will be out. So if you just pop this one, that, that one should be out as well. 
And we will see you Thursday night on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood.